Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. I'm Alex Chester, and with me, as always, is Wheels Wienerker. Wheels, how's it rolling? It's rolling to right. This might be the third uh, podcast we're recording tonight, so it's been a long night. But We're finally out of the uh, the shitty AFC East, though, so that's good. We're out of the AFC East for the first time, but I will say we're into a team. Well, I was thinking about this team today. We're talking about the Redskins, right? And I'm asking, not rhetorically. I actually don't know what we're talking about. Um, with, with, the, uh, with the R words of the Redskins, um... I was thinking today, like, that's a team that has a real ceiling. Like, if this season plays out 10,000 times, the Redskins are not winning the Super Bowl once. In 10,000 times? 10,000 times. I, don't th- I think they'd make the playoffs a lot. I don't think they'd win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you. We'll get into this. But, um, yeah, I- I'm not high on, the Reds- on Washington at all. But I was surprised that you had them a little bit lower than I did even. I have them number 14 in my preseason power ranking. Um and I thought, you know, there could be an argument for them to be a little bit higher, but I thought I was pretty reasonable. You had them at 17. So you don't think that in 10,000 tries, more than half teams in the league would win the Super Bowl? I think that's nuts. I mean, I guess that's hyperbole. Um, yeah. But I just... I, 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 is, do I expect them to win the Super Bowl? Obviously not. I can envision a scenario where it happens. Right? Yeah, I mean, I it's possible. The argument that supports that is I just the think, amount of Falcons yeah. having a terrible defense. Yeah. Well, let's, let's bring our yeah. guest in here. Yeah, let's uh, bring him. We shouldn't talk about <laughs> You probably weren't expecting this, Stephen Apter, for the first question to be, are, is your beloved Washington franchise going to win the Super Bowl this year? But uh, Akiva started it that way. <laughs> <laughs> or are they going to win in 1 in 10,000 tries? Yes. Do they have a 1 in 10,000 chance of winning the Super Bowl? I'll give them a 1 in 10,000 chance. You know, I, I, what I was trying to say is that the Atlanta Falcons two years ago were terrible on defense. I think the one thing that limits this Redskins team is how good their defense is. You can talk about their offense a lot, but limiting factors is obviously going to be on how good this defense is. And so... I think last year, seeing the Falcons go to the Super Bowl can give some hope in that 1 in 10,000 chance that the Redskins defense can be good enough that in one scenario where they make the playoffs, they're hot enough on offense to um, you know, sh- shadow out the, the shortcomings that they have on the defensive side of the football. But I see where you're going with the odds against this team. Yeah, I mean, so their over-under right now is 7.5. And, and I would like to know what the over-under for the Falcons was last year. I would guess it was 7.5 or 8. Yeah. No, I, I think it was at least eight and a half. Really? After they lost it. like six in a row to end the season the year yeah. before? Yeah, I think it was probably eight or eight and a half, the Falcons over under last year, if I remember. All right, maybe. Um, yeah, well, so, so anyways, yeah, so welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Uh, let's take a step back. <laughs> yeah, Stephen Apter, uh, back for the second time. He was with us, I think, two Thank years you. ago. Thank you. Uh, 
it's been a it's been a strange off season uh, for your beloved Washington franchise. You know, you guys, the best probably two year run in the Dan Snyder era. Well, other other than I guess maybe the RG three year, but you know, you're finishing above five hundred. You're making playoff games. You're losing playoff games, but you're making it to the playoffs. And then this off season, really strange happenings. They fire their GM in a really strange circumstance. Can you explain and, that um, actually? Steve? Even like, because I, I I feel like I followed this and I still don't know what happened. Can you explain the whole McLaughlin, the McCullough, however you pronounce his name, uh, thing <laughs> and and what happened and and like who's to blame and obviously we know. Who's yeah, the blame, I like, think probably the only people that can really explain that to you is going to be Scott McLuhan himself, Bruce Allen, the team president, and Dan Snyder, the owner of the team. You know, I, I think if I was going to make a guess, I would say that there was differences between Allen and you know, there's a lot of rumors about McLuhan's drinking and all those kind of things and so well, hold on. that's that's just like despicable behavior after the fact by the team trying to like throw him under the bus didn't, so yeah, what, didn't I, his wife like say on twitter he was having an affair or something also yeah when he first got hired his wife came out and called out a espn sideline reporter and that all happened but i was putting out on my twitter feed and things when this all happened was McLuhan was always drinking when he was on this job you know the reason he lost this seahawks <laughs> job was because of the alcohol problems, which are well publicized. When he got this job, in many interviews that he was doing, he's saying, I'm not drinking hard liquor, but I'm still drinking beer. So anyone that knows some anything about substance abuse knows that that's a red flag. So to say that it was inappropriate for the Redskins to throw that out there at, and the timing was really despicable, that's totally fair. But I think to say that alcohol wasn't involved in this decision, I think would be naive because... You know, that's been a part of McLuhan's lifestyle. That's why he lost his previous job. So I, I have a feeling that that's part of, you know, the equation here. But, you know, to answer you, I'm kind of sidestepping the question here. I don't know, to be honest. No, you know, I think that's the right answer. I don't I just don't think we know. But uh, I yeah, guess you, you I, know. I don't think anybody really knows. I think he was a really good player, you know, player evaluator. He still mm-hmm. is. That's what his I mean, he claims that, 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 you know, they, they use this draft board. But obviously that, you know, you take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, that's true. And it's, it makes it a little easier when Jonathan Allen falls into your lap at 17 and right. uh, that kind of thing. But, you know, I think you look back at his tenure, I think it was really good. He was a breath of fresh air for this team. He helped elevate them to the place where they're at now. I think if you go pick by pick and look at his draft picks, it's not overwhelmingly amazing, you know. But I, I, I like Scott McLuhan. I really do. And I, I, I feel badly that it ended the way that it did. But um, we'll just have to, I think this year is going to tell, you know, how uh, bad or good of a decision that was to let him go. Yeah, Steven, I also wanted to ask you the, um, you know, there's a lot of owners around the league. And listen, in order to be a billionaire, you probably have a couple bodies some buried somewhere, some of them at least. <laughs> like, there's a lot of owners in the league with questionable morals. And I say this as someone who roots for uh, a team that uh, the owner is literally in the Trump administration. Um but it, is it hard to root for the Redskins, like with Daniel Snyder being like a disgusting monster? Yeah, totally. I think he's he, he's super stubborn, you know, and he does a lot of despicable things. I think he's learning how to kind of take a step back a little. You know, I think I was in much more pain when Vinny Serrato was kind of the puppet GM of this team and Daniel Snyder was making football decisions. I think he's learned his lesson from just being a terrible football team for many years that he can't do that. So luckily there's people around him now that hopefully are making some good decisions and better decisions for him. I think Jay Gruden being in this organization helps a lot with that to have a coach that 
you know, they've, they've extended. I, I don't know what his history is exactly with coaches, but I want to say that Jay Gruden's the first guy that he's really extended and had around for this amount of time. And Jay's a great offensive mind, and he has a lot of strategy involved in what he does. So being able to utilize that to kind of be the identity of the, of the team kind of helps mask the fact that Snyder's still behind the scenes. He's still super stubborn. He's still not going to change an obviously racist name for the team. And so, you know, I think for me and my fanhood, I've kind of learned how to block that side out. And I think the one thing that is the saving grace for Dan Snyder is he really does care about this team. He spends money on this team. When Josh Norman was available, he went out and got him. So, you know, for all the things you can say about him as a person, him as an owner of this team, I think... You could do worse as far as guys that are going to come out and put their money where their mouth is and want to build a new stadium and want to put money behind the players that are on this team. So you take the good with the bad. But, you know, if you're asking if it's depressing to be a Redskins fan, the answer is hell yes, it is. And But, Keith, if we're being honest, this is not a unique thing to Washington. Uh, you know, both of our, in fact, I'd say a majority of NFL teams, their owners have, you know, some, let's say, uh, troubling uh, aspects to their to their behavior. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I preface the question. With the, that. the league as a whole, Roger Goodell, like, let's be honest, none of us are, are fans of our team or the NFL in general because it's like the, the ethical or socially responsible right. thing to do. It's because we're obsessed with the sport and we're loyal to these teams in the case of the three of us that have done nothing but disappoint us for most of the last 25 years, so... Yeah, I'll right. say this about the Redskins <laughs> and that whole point, just to kind of close it all off, is the reason that I became a Redskins fan was, you know, my dad is from the area and I used to travel a lot to go to D.C. And the passion that the fans have in the city for the Redskins and the loyalty that they have, despite all the Dan Snyder stuff, is kind of why what keeps me around is that just I've never seen a, a, a fan base more passionate. I'm a pretty big sports guy and I'm involved in a lot of other circles as far as fanhood goes, but you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a more loyal fan base than what Redskins have. So it's it's hard to to overlook that when you're thinking about how bad Dan Snyder is. The city really loves this team and supports it, regardless of what kind of crazy things Dan Snyder does. Wait, what are the other teams that you're a fan of, just out of curiosity? Yeah, so I'm born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii. My dad spent a, a winter in Maine. He's originally from the D.C. area and pulled out a map and said, where's the warmest place that I can go? So that's how I ended up there. So not a lot of that's pro sports cool. teams there. I grew up kind of a big Dodgers fan. So I live in L.A. now, so I'm a Dodgers guy. I went to the University of Arizona, so I'm very familiar with uh, heartbreak and being a loyal fan. So I'm actually not, I don't have any other teams that I really root for in the Washington area, despite still having family there, but I'm big skins and Dodgers and University of Arizona would be the biggest other areas that I'm fans of. Yeah, so that's an unusual trifecta. Very, I, I don't know if you'd find another person in the United States that has that trifecta going, but it's uh, it's a sad one. Let me tell you, it's it's also equally depressing on all sides. Hopefully the Dodgers can do something different this year aside from crushing disappointment, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, you're only on pace to have like the greatest season in history right now. So. Yeah, I wouldn't get too depressed. You want to trade? I'm a Mets fan. We could, you know, yeah. trade. In yeah. Well, I did go the. I'm remembering, I think it was two years ago or maybe last year when Daniel Murphy was on the Mets and crushing home two run after home run in, in that series. And I think I yeah. saw in person every single one of those home runs that he hit and uh, still haven't recovered much. Yeah, fun fact Daniel Murphy, I hate Chester's son. Um, the. <laughs> <laughs> the callback for you. Um, uh, Kirk Cousins, is there any chance that like this pro- this progression continues, or do you agree with my theory that he's sort of like absolutely maxed out last year and and there's you kind know of maxed out? 
Um, yeah, I, I can agree with that. I think, you know, the it's going to be a little difficult to replace Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon. And I think what you see with Kirk Cousins is an above average quarterback that has really above average weapons. I think the thing that has made Kirk Cousins really what he is, is having one of the most dynamic pass catchers at the tight end position in Jordan Reed that this league has seen in a long time. You had two highly productive wide receivers on either side with Deshaun and Pierre. You know, Jamison Crowder was unbelievable last year. This receiving core has been really deep. And, you know, that's what Jay Gruden has done in his career is, you know, doing something similar with Andy Dalton. And there, and the Bengals when he was there was building a deep cachet of pass catching dudes and, and really running this West Coast offense. So I think that being said, Kirk Cousins is playing behind a really strong line. He's had a really great weapon. So I think you're right to, you know, make the assessment that he's pretty capped out. If he were to go someplace else, I would I I don't think that he can replicate the production that he's had because you're gonna be going to a team that has a lot of cap room to spend, like the 49ers or something like that that he's been rumored to go to, and they don't have any weapons on the outside. So yeah, I, I think you're right in assessing Kirk Cousins as that. He's Got some pretty good accuracy in, in medium-length throws. He has good accuracy in short-range throws. Has kind of a limited arm as far as being able to throw some of those deep balls. But he, he hits up on most of them. His timing is really good. But as far as being kind of in that elite class of quarterback, I think, you know, I, I don't know if I'd put him there. Yeah, because the other big story this offseason, obviously, other than the GM sort of drama, was the drama with Cousins, how this is a team who's really, it seems, has gone out of their way to antagonize probably the quarterback with the longest run of success that you've had, I don't know, since Joe Theismann? I can't, like, you know, I mean, RG3 had a good year, obviously, you know, maybe Brad Johnson had a decent year, but I can't remember the last time that, uh, you know, Washington had a good quarterback for two, three years in a row. Yeah, Everybody assumes this is his last year and he's definitely leaving as a free agent next year. Is that, is that what you think also? No, I don't think that's what it is. I think, you know, he's... His moniker is you like that. And where did that come from? That came from him kind of feeling slighted, I think, by this organization. So on one hand, I think this organization is going to have a ton of cap room next year. And uh, like, I, like I was just mentioning, they've got a ton of weapons too. You know, So I don't think you can paint out a scenario where he goes somewhere else where he's going to get more money and he's going to get a better supporting cast to do what he does i think i believe him when he says he said recently that he wants to spend his career with the redskins and so i think he's earned the right to test the open market he's earned the right to make this team feel a little bit uncomfortable because he wasn't even drafted to be a future starter for this team so i think in his mind he wants to go out and see what the open market dictates and quite frankly he's earned that right but um if you look at the cap situation and you look at supporting cast i don't really see um too many other options that are going to be just remarkably better like oh he absolutely needs to go into this place and i think the other thing that i'll say about that is this situation i think has pointed out the um you know the I'm looking for the right word to describe it, but just how broken the system is with the franchise tagging thing because you look at how the Redskins have handled this and they've obviously mismanaged this. You know, you should have given him a long-term contract when when he first started playing well and you would have saved yourself a ton of money. But you look at what they're able to do now. It's basically going year to year uh, on a quarterback and I don't know if that should be the case. It kind of feels like they're being rewarded for making these bad decisions and I want to kick a question back to you guys and 
um, get your opinion on it is how many teams do you see out there that have given quarterbacks huge amounts of money that it has really worked out for them in their favor? You know, like when I look at the, the Ravens, I cringe at what this team could become if they do end up giving Kirk Cousins a ton of money is you lock up so much of your cap. And I understand that, like, in the example of, like, Aaron Rodgers, right? You're a perennial playoff team with him on your roster pretty much. But, you know, is that something that the Redskins can replicate? And, you know, when you talk about the Lux and the Aaron Rodgers and the Flaccos of the world, how do you guys see that scenarios where you're giving a quarterback a ton of your money? you think that's obviously the right decision? Or is there some... un you know, uncertainty that you put your team in when you're giving some your quarterback. We said Luck, Rogers, and Flacco. We're obviously three different levels of players, right? Rogers is immortal. Luck is right. probably very good, but recently hasn't been very good. And Flacco, uh, you know, has been good in the playoffs, and he's a mediocre quarterback who right now might be falling apart. Um, the, this is what I call the Jay Cutler corollary, which is every team with the 14th through 25th best quarterback. Like, there's always seven teams that. Um, know that they need a new quarterback, right? The, like right now, the Jets and the Browns and the Niners and all those teams, right? They know that the their right. franchise quarterback's not on the roster. And then there's 10, 12 teams that do have, you know, from from Tom Brady down to Eli, teams that are not searching for QBs. Then you have the teams with like from 14 to about 24. And I say Jay Cutler because... Like my team. Like, like well, your team is weird because you, you probably do have your franchise quarterback. He just, you know, had an injury so bad that everyone vomited. The, he, he, well, he might never right. play. That's it, different. So. But you had a, you. They were not looking to upgrade on Teddy. They thought Teddy might be special, and and they and they know that Sam Bradford is not the long term answer. They just think he's the short term answer. So that's not a really great example. But the, the Jake with the Bears, it's it was, and, and you know what, it was the Dolphins with Tannehill, although they didn't think this. But you never think it when you're in the moment. Every year, the Bears fans thought, oh, we could do better than Jake Cutler, but you can't. Because other than Drew Brees, once eleven years ago, these guys are never on the market. You you can you can. Well, that's that's why it's so weird. What Washington did because you never see a decent starting quarterback hit the free agent market. Not not I'm not talking about superstar. I'm saying decent teams lock these guys up all the time. You're not going to do better than Cousins, and in the one percent chance that you find a Russell Wilson, well, that already happened to you. Guess who was that guy? Guess who was Russell Wilson? Kirk Cousins, yeah. right? Because you drafted him with RG three. Well, I was going to say RG three. You drafted but, him with RG three. Well, like he, he's your miracle that yeah, you found I in think, the fourth round. True, true. And I think he, I'm not saying they didn't mismanage this situation because they obviously did. But when you look at the factors, especially with RG three, you know it's it must be hard for them to put all of their eggs in one basket, like you're saying. Because you, as you pointed out, there's some doubts about Kirk Cousins' ability to be an elite quarterback without the supporting cast. And then you have the RG3 situation that's literally in the same draft class as Kurt, where he came out one year looking like someone that was going to take your franchise to the next level for five, ten years down the line and is basically out of the league at this point. So it's hard to look at the situation and not think, wow, it, it must be difficult for the Redskins to pull the trigger on that. And then you look at the situation that they have where they were able to play through Kirk Cousins' basically rookie contract, and then they can get him for three years on either franchise or transition tagging him. And it's hard to look at that. Uh, to me, I'm wondering, looking at that situation, it obviously seems like a mismanaged one. But when you look at being able to get three years of a guy, uh, basically a rental with no risk, where you know, you're know you risking not having your franchise quarterback and having him walk out on you, but you're giving yourself kind of a three-year window where you, know, you, you have the ability to make the playoffs and see what you got, and hopefully he stays with you. 
I think it's just a system that I don't think is in the best. It's obviously not in the best interest of the players, right? And it allows teams to do this to them. You know, it just it's it's kind of a crazy scenario, don't you guys agree? That the franchise tagging thing is is obviously not in the players' interest and allows the teams to have. Oh all yeah, the power. obviously it's crazy, but you know they signed the agreement that uh, uh, you know allows for it. I, we haven't talked about anybody other than Cousins in the front office, so is. Is there anybody on, you know, and when we talk about Jordan Reed and stuff, is there someone on the team that you think maybe is going to emerge as a star, um, you know, that maybe we don't know about or, or you know, the nation as a whole, like, isn't, isn't really ready for, but, like, this is going to be, you know, the uh, Redskins' best player this year. Like, who could be, you know, a uh, the breakout Redskin, particularly on defense? Yeah, I think this year their big, you know, addition to the coaching staff has been – former San Francisco 49ers head coach Jim Ooh. Tom Sula. And so it's an obvious, <laughs> you know, uh, name to throw out there that uh, Jonathan Allen is going to be hopefully a player that's really disruptive. He can play on multiple places on the line. And so that's someone that I think the Redskins are really banking on to have a really big season and be someone that can contribute for them pretty early. So I would say Jonathan Allen is a, is definitely a guy that they want to to be that player that's going to be a breakout player for them. I think another name to go beyond the obvious and someone that is really in a make or break year in his career in the NFL is a guy named Sua Cravens, who they've tabbed to be their starting strong safety after moving him. He was hurt in their first preseason game. He had a successful surgery today to clean up his meniscus. And so I think he's someone that's a He's a big wild card for them. It sounds like the surgery went really well. He's going to be ready for week one. But like you said, that's not great for a player that's transitioning from playing dime linebacker in this league to becoming a safety, playing in open space. And their other player, uh, his counterpart at the free safety position is a guy named DJ Swearinger, who the team is super high on. They love his energy and what he brings into the secondary. One of the best names in the league also. Right. He had a really dirty mouth on HBO. Yeah, and I think they like that energy, right? They need that type of leadership. D'Angelo Hall is not going to be in the league very much longer. By the way, that was an Al Swearingen reference. I don't know if anyone picked up on that. <laughs> but, Deadwood? No. Kiva, did you ever watch Deadwood? Uh, yeah. It's Al Swearingen. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. All right. Steven? You, you watch Deadwood? Oh, okay. I'm a Deadwood guy. Fucking, fucking day. Fucking business. Shut the fuck up, Wu. Fucking dominoes are the light. Fucking business, chink, fuck up, fucking please, get out of my fucking way. Fucking truth. Chink, 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 fucking whores, fucking you incompetent fucks. Shut the fucking door. That's why it got canceled, Steven, because you didn't watch it. I know, man. <laughs> That's why they haven't made that movie yet. Yeah, whatever happened to that movie, by the way? I think they're, they keep working on it. <laughs> But, uh, Sorry, we interrupted you. <laughs> no, with, I think with Swearinger, you know, all signs are good right now. People love his energy. They love his leadership. But I, I feel I still need to see more out of the safety tandem that they have back there. Swearinger is a guy that's a hard-hitting guy, probably a more of the inside-the-box type of safety versus someone that can really cover in space. And I've seen this type of player that they brought in multiple times you know with Deshaun Goldston and Brandon Merriweather and they brought in a special teams guy David Burton from the Broncos and they brought in Dante Whitner they like to bring in these kind of inside the box safeties and I feel like that's kind of what Swearinger and uh, Sua Krevins are they're both guys that play better in the box than they do in space and so um, we'll have to see how that pairing works you know Swearinger had although uh, 
the honey badger had a kind of a down year last year. Taron Matthew kind of was able is a guy that can play a little bit more in space. He's a playmaker. He can get to the ball. And then you have Patrick Peterson that kind of helps mask some of the things that Swearinger can't do as far as coverage goes. So um, I think he's really going to need to take a step up as far as his coverage goes for this to work because I, I don't know if Sua Crevins is going to be ready, especially missing all the preseason, to really be able to help with that. So I think that safety combination is what really is going to make or break this team. If one or both of those guys gets hurt or they're ineffective, I think it's really going to limit this Redskins team's chance of competing and getting over 500 in a, in a division that has so many pass catchers and good quarterback play. Steven, uh, pick a number between 0 and 100. It's time for America's favorite recurring segment, uh, the roster game. Uh, 75. All right, tell me everything you know about, ooh, I love it, Fish Smithson. Oh, that's a great name. <laughs> the greatest name. I did see his name on Twitter recently, but it's a legitimate, uh, that's legitimately who you picked. I wish I knew anything about Fish Smithson. I don't know. You have a guy named Fish Smithson on your team and you don't have anything? No way Fish is his real name though, right? Uh, I think he liked Fish when he was a kid or something. There was an article about it uh, on the Washington Post. Yeah. Fake news. It already went through my head. Uh, Fish Smithson, I believe, is going to be, you know, he's he's the new J.J. Watt. Yeah. He's going to be like the star defensive players in every commercial. <laughs> All right. So we don't have anything of Fish Smithson. Well, let me ask you a guy you, that you have heard of, but you haven't really mentioned. You know, you talked about losing uh, DJX and Garcon. Um, the addition of Terrell Pryor doesn't get you too excited? I think it does. I, you know, Terrell's a, a explosive player. He's got the good size, and I think he's worked out a lot with some notable names in the offseason, Randy Moss and Antonio Brown. I think where you're going to miss Deshaun Jackson is the consistency of the route running. You know, he's going to push the top of that defense and he's going to be running those crisp, deep routes. He's been hurt a lot, but when he's on the field, his impact is in that consistent route running and running crisp routes and being able to open up the offense to other things. And I think the thing that you're going to miss from Pierre Garçon the most is his blocking ability and his toughness. And I don't know if, um, you know, Terrell Pryor has really shown either of those things, the consistency in the route running and the blocking. So is he going to get a ton of catches? Is he going to be open a lot? And is he going to score touchdowns? Sure. But I think what helped Kirk Cousins a lot is some of those little things that Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon have been able to do. So we're going to need to roll prior to shore up those sides of his game after not being a wide receiver for a terribly long. So I am excited about Terrell Pryor, but I'm skeptical about, you know, this offense being able to replicate what they've done because of the professionalism that Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon bring to what they do. All right. So as we said, uh, Keith and I think of the Washington is pretty in the middle at this point of the year in the power rankings. I am 14. He has him 17 for a cumulative ranking of 16. Last year, they won eight games and, of course, had one tie. This year, they're over under seven and a half. Are you going over or under that right now? I'm going to go over that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that this team will finish 9-7. and seven. It's tough for me to see them finishing any better than that. They have a really difficult um, non-conference schedule outside of the NFC East. I mean, I see them kind of splitting that schedule and going 5-5 five and five and then, you know, or 6-4. and four. You know, I think if they can go 6-4 and four and be able to kind of split their division games, I think that would put them right at about 9-7, and seven, which is where I have them. Keith, what about you? What do you have for the uh, Washington record this year? I mean, to me, they're yeah. an eight and eight team. I don't. That doesn't mean they'll yeah, have ended eight up eight, eight and eight. But they're, yeah. I mean, th- could they make, could they sneak into the playoffs if everything goes well and like health wise things work out? Yeah. Here's the thing: the Cowboys are definitely going to regress, and someone in that division is going to be better. Yeah. Someone's yeah. got to win it. I, but I also think the Eagles stink. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll discuss the the Eagles are our second biggest disagreement this year. 
in the power rankings. Yeah, no, you're wrong there. They're not good. But yeah, so the Redskins could win the division, but they also yeah. like it could be one of those yeah. NFC, NFC East years where like they're all nine, seven, eight, and eight, yeah. seven, nine. That's what we've expected most years. Although, again, the Cowboys and the Giants also sort of broke out a little bit last year more than expected. All right, Steve. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, good luck to your team this year. Just, you know, we discuss this every year, but the NFC East is the most hated division. If you were to rank the 32 teams in terms of how many, how many people hate them, you probably the four teams this division are in the top, like, seven overall. And so... Uh, you're a little high on the Redskins. I think the Redskins might might be closer to, like, 12. Well, the the, well it's only because of Snyder, I think, really. Yeah, more. Yeah, the Giants and the Cowboys as franchise. The Redskins actually inspire a lot of indifference. Like I hated the Redskins uh, the year they won the Super Bowl, but like I, I feel like I've had a lot of. Well, as you jumped on my point, which the point I was trying to make is because of your division, you're actually not hated because most people hate the Cowboys more, and as New Yorkers who aren't Giants fans, we hate the Giants more. Um, and you know, and, and Philly is generally uh, hated as a sports town. So yeah, so I'm actually you know I find myself rooting for this team despite Snyder a lot of the time, um, although. For some weird reason, the Vikings and Washington have been sort of like neck and neck for playoff for wild card spots several times in the last right. few years. There was the year actually I went to that game. It was on a Sunday night in like week fifteen or sixteen. Do you remember this a few years ago? Yes, yeah, I do. And they were they both like eight and six? Yeah, yeah. It's I weird. think the Vikings could have clinched the, pl- the the playoffs with a win, and instead you guys beat us in Minnesota, and uh, it did not end well. Yeah, it's weird how hard teams are kind of neck and neck with that. I think Teddy Bridgewater being healthy would have kept you guys above us because your defense is so much better than what the Redskins do. But it's odd that they continue there, you know, in the NFC, they're kind of battling for that last spot. So, yeah, well, the worst Vikings Washington game ever was the year when at the end of a meaningless season in which the Vikings were three and 13 or whatever, uh, Adrian Peterson, first of all, he tore his ACL and it looked like this is at the time that I loved Adrian Peterson, obviously, and it looked like he might be gone forever, although obviously the next year is the MVP. And because the Vikings somehow won in Washington with an upset, we dropped below you guys for the draft, and so Andrew Luck went one, and RG3 went three, and we had like the fourth or fifth pick, I forget. Um, and then the next year, I, I just lamented that the whole season. I'm like, boy, what a, what a terrible game. We lost our superstar running back, and we lost an, an opportunity to get a franchise quarterback. Now, again, in hindsight, that didn't work out so well for you guys either after the one season. Yeah, I know. You missed out on RG3. You, could, you would have been so happy with that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, for one, look... For, uh, that must have been your most fun year as a Washington fan for the last 20 years, right? Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. It, it's weird to say as a, a full grown man that there's things in sports that kind of make you emotional and like may, really make you feel something certain. And that year was pretty special to go through all the things that the Redskins have been through and to go kind of worse to first. That was a pretty good time. And so I don't regret, I don't think did you send him a wedding. Invi- did you send him a wedding present on his registry? Be honest. <laughs> I sent Big Bob his wedding gift. I might need to get him something belated. He might've gotten married again. He might've gotten divorced and got married again, right? Yeah, he got divorced so soon. I think he got to send back the gifts. Yeah. I think he's got to send that back to me. What's the rule, Akiva? Like one year of marriage? How long was he married? I don't know, but he cheated on his wife. Although I guess probably most professional athletes are cheating on their wives. So let's not judge too harsh for that. I'll tell you what oh, I I'm just judging did you recently. for making that comment. I, uh, <laughs> I purchased a, like I purchased a gift card for somebody for like the, in Los Angeles. We have this thing called Malibu Wine Safari, where it's like you get to go out and there's zebras out there and you drink wine and whatever. <laughs> and I'm and my girlfriend's monitoring this couple's status and she's like, I don't think that they use this gift certificate, you know. And so I definitely went in, found the receipt, called them, and took my my Malibu Wine oh, Safari back. So you pulled the marble wow. ride. Pulled the I pulled it back. I got it. What if what if you could post date? I think you should post date all wedding checks. Six months. Right. Exactly. <laughs> In case anything happens, 
my dad went to a wedding. It was a second wedding. They went to the, it was a family friend. They went to the first wedding and they, they gave a gift to the first one and they were divorced like immediately. And at the second wedding, the groom said, you don't have to post date the checks this time. This one's forever. Oh. They're divorced. They're divorced? <laughs> I don't think after six months. They got ah, that's, that's, it's pretty funny that he said, I'm sure his uh, second wife did not appreciate that. Or his parents or anybody. You don't have to post date yeah. the checks. This one's forever. All right, guys. I appreciate you having me on. All right, well, on that chipper yeah. note. <laughs> Steven, thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Steve, what's your Twitter handle again? Stevie2x? I'm actually just my name now. It's Steve underscore after S-T-E-V-E underscore A-P-T-E-R is where you can find me. Oh, so you got it back from that other Steve after. Yep, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kiev is still stuck uh, behind 25 others. Well, there's, I think there's only Kiev's or me, Kiev26 and Kiev, so I don't know. The original Keith, yeah, who's stonewalling you. All right, Steve, uh, thanks so much, and uh, uh, good luck to your team, at least uh, when they play the Cowboys and the Giants this year. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.